Rail Up, the future mobility podcast with innovators and leaders of the ecosystem. Presented by Sebastian Sperker. Our guest today is Franz Blum, a visionary entrepreneur and founder of the company Vegatrans. The company achieved European market leadership in transporting commercial vehicles such as trucks from factories to customers in Europe and beyond. Despite its roots in the road transportation, Vegatrans has innovated a solution to seamlessly integrate road and rail. Today we are exploring if this innovation could be a game changer, boosting the model shift and becoming the catalyst for a significant increase in rail transport and a new chapter for the Green Deal. We will discuss how Franz persuaded road manufacturers to integrate rail transport into their supply chain and we will talk about his vision to transport goods from Marrakesh to Shanghai without spoiling any CO2. Additionally, I will share how Franz significantly impacted my career. I am delighted to have him with us today, live from the beautiful Mozart city Salzburg. Welcome to RailUp. I start my podcast always with the question, are you an innovator or a leader? Yeah, I suppose we are a leading innovator. Okay. <laughs> Let's start our journey with some facts. The model shift from road to rail hasn't progressed in the last decade, although this is one of the top priority if it comes to reduce CO2 emissions. At least if you listen to the plan of the European Commission and the Green Deal. The road representing still 75% of the transported cargo in Europe and is growing faster than the rail. Hence the model split of the rail is even declining. If you would like to turn this trend, we need to push the integration between road and rail. One promising approach is to use semi-trailer, which can be handled in the terminal with standard lifting equipment, such as portal cranes or ridge stackers. These trailers are a bit more heavy and a bit more expensive, but ready to enter into the rail ecosystem in almost all terminals, ports or siding where a ridge stacker are, is available. That sounds great and, and, and would be probably enable a seamless intermodal road rail solution. However, the share of these special trailers is very little, even lower than 10%. So I ask myself why such a promising approach did not work out. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. We, we are working for the industry directly. We are delivering all the new trailers uh, to the customers. And we realized the same, that the share of uh, new grainable trailers is very little. Uh, the last figure we heard that it is even decreasing. It was once on the top time, uh, 7 to 8 percent of the yearly production. Uh, it has dropped to under 5 percent meanwhile. We tried to analyze this together with some clients to find out what is the reason. And we had some interviews with bigger clients, uh, especially one Lithuanians and from East Europe. And they gave us a very simple reason, saying if we purchase a craneable trailer, we don't have the same second-hand value uh, like an, uh, a non-craneable trailer because there is more weight involved. There's a little higher cost involved. But in the second and third-hand market, there is no interest for craneability. That's why we lose a lot of money when we reorganize our fleet for, in the second-hand market. That is the first reason. The second reason is uh, the little weight disadvantage we have uh, and a little cost disadvantage. So you have three reasons why we would not invest into rainable trailers. This customer has 11,000 Frigo trailers in his fleets. Another example, and that's another reason we should understand in this marketplace, 
We talked to a big German uh, warehouse and forwarding company, which has 30,000 trailers in their fleet. None of them craneable. Why? They said, we cannot demand from our dispatchers to work in two systems. So that's why this company never will purchase craneable trailers because they have already such a big fleet of non-craneable trailers. And it, wouldn't, it would interfere dramatically into their logistics because the dispatcher has to think always twice. Is this a craneable one? Can I use it for rail? Yes or no? And the third reason is that rail has a very bad reputation regarding performance. And uh, this is the, the main topic that none of the big customers says, I will go for rail because punctuality is not there. Uh, trains are dismissed. Uh, local drivers during Corona were very little in service. Most of them were out of service. They couldn't find hotels. So the image of rail transportation is very, very bad in the sector. And I think we all will have to work hard to change this image because that's the first barrier to enter the marketplace. Actually, I, I was not aware that this reselling of the trailer in the secondary market plays the, the big role when it comes to an investment decision if a company purchases a craneable or non-craneable trailer. Uh, that, that's, that's a new set for me. And you mentioned also another very important point, uh, the, the missing IT integration. The two worlds are, are simple and not that connected as they, they should be. Um, however, it is fact that almost all shippers do have a road access uh, and just a few access to rail. So we need to integrate road and rail. Uh, I would be interested in your opinion, what needs to be done to increase the modal shift for rail? I think, and you, you just mentioned, Sebastian, that the shippers, in fact, the shippers have to want rail. If the shipper tells to the carrier, do it by rail because I will have a better footprint, then the carrier will search a solution. I don't think that is the missing solution there. There is a solution out in the market for everything. The question is, why road is much more competitive? Why road is favored so much by the shippers as well? And why we don't discuss real topics like energy efficiency behind? The thing is that road is very much pushed. The lobby is very strong. The automotive lobby, the trailer lobby, they are doing an excellent job that road is always seen favorable. But nobody has the big picture because road might be favorable in cost, but it's not favorable in, in ecological point of view. And what we do there, nobody knows out there that one liter fuel burning creates three kilo CO2. This is a physical law nobody is aware of. We have to make a higher awareness of the advantages of ecology of rail, but we have to make it at the ship. The shipper has to know that he can reduce his footprint. And then the shipper who has the, the, the cargo in his hand, he has to take the decision for rail. Then rail will improve. If there is a pressure towards rail, rail will have the chance to invest and to improve. As long as we have two systems, one, the road, lobbied very well, good marketing, the rail, complicated, difficult, and these two systems are in, in competition, then rail cannot win this race. Rail has to be accepted as the most ecological solution, has to be wanted by the shippers, then rail can develop, then investments can be done. 
because it's a difference to invest into wagons than into trailers. You need to know that these wagons will run for years. You have to take a much longer time period in a consideration. So you have to know that there will be business for this equipment. So the whole in lack of investment on rail is as well because nobody wants to have rail. It's just, it's, it's there. It's used for, 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 for oil, for some basic goods, but it's not used in the, in the general competition where speed and precision is asked. And I think there we have to work on. Absolutely. In, in the previous podcast with Serge, we discussed the impact of CO2 regulations such as the CSR directive uh, for the mobility sector. Uh, I, I would be interested in your point of view. The rules are quite clear, starting from 1st of January 2024. Uh, the sustainability report has to show a way of decarbonization. What we experience is that most of the shippers first look into their production process because a lot of CO2 is created there. Logistic is not fully in the focus yet. And the road sector is trying to catch up by changing very quickly to electric trucks, where you have then the same or almost the same uh, advantage if you take uh, ecological uh, power, then you can, you can reduce the footprint as well. So this is an interesting race at the end of the day. And if rail doesn't speed up, again, road might win it. I agree. We already heard that in this decade that the rail has to prove that it could be a reliable and competitive part of the cargo supply chain. Um, however, there are a lot of things which has to be improved and changed, as you mentioned previously. And there is another crucial point in the discussion. The energy efficiency, once a train is running, the energy needed to, to, to keep the speed is so much less due to the way lower rolling resistance. Uh, that's physics and makes the rail so much more energy efficient. However, uh, Serge mentioned that a big topic what needs to be addressed as well is, is the high number of empty trains. Because just with a high utilization in both directions, the big energy efficiency really could be realized. Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, uh, one-way empty trains are complete stupidity. and I, But I don't think that this will happen in the model shift because... Uh, the trailers out there, they are not always fully loaded, uh, but uh, uh, they go in both directions and they catch some cargo. Uh, that's why the trailer out there has been so successful. It can go to any factory and it can take loads from everywhere. So the backload situation, the empty mileage on road is much, much less. And in, even we who are doing the delivery of new trailers, where you, you are not dealing with backloads, where you have to combine the network Of trailer production, we achieve an empty voyage of only 15%. But we have to find there's only a few production places. So when it comes to general cargo inside a trailer, you can avoid empty mileage to a percentage below 10%. But that would mean that in the model shift, if then the trailer goes for the long distance on rail, we don't face any empty voyage issue. And Uh, uh, in our experience, we, we have our own company trains for the commercial vehicle industry. Uh, if you fill up the train more than 85% in both directions, you will always be able to compete with road. Price-wise, speed-wise is a second issue. But what we have to understand is that to, to reach this point, you have to have a critical volume. One train crossing the Alps can take 32 trailers. 
if you have to have 85% to, to be competitive towards road, you have to make sure that about 27 trailers are on the train. There you need volume. If you need volume, you need again the shippers. And if you reach that high utilization, the CO2 regulation will even boost the whole system. That can make it game change because everything is money. And if soon as CO2 will start to have a cost impact uh, on road, like we see now already in Germany, where the road tax increase is a CO2 impact. And suddenly there is a much higher interest on rail solutions to cross Germany. So it is important what politicians are deciding. And we have to work on, on this as well, that eco-friendly transport has to be in advantage. And then it comes what you said as well, that efficiency, energy efficiency on rail is best. We don't have this narrative. We, nobody out there knows that uh, the efficiency of an electrolog can go, go up to 90%, while a truck, is, uh, a truck with fossil en energy is roughly around 15 to 20%. And even an electric truck will only reach 60%. So if I have a system which is 90% efficient, this system must win. In a period where energy is expensive, it is impossible to understand why fuel-driven trucks with an energy efficiency which is only one-fifth of electricity can win the race. That's in a way waste and crazy. Okay, Franz, uh, and, and your company is already using the rail, and I would be interested, what's your experience as a customer? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say that depends on the provider. We have trains running very, very well yeah, with smaller private traction companies who are eager to fight for every problem which might appear, and there's hundreds of problems which can appear on rail, delays, problems in the network, strikes like we had recently. If you have an engaged team who is, uh, who is working 24-7 on the subject, you can catch up. And then rail is a very reliable system and it can move capacity. So on the other hand, we have huge infrastructural problems in Germany as well in Austria because there's a lot of renovation that has to be done. The network is old. Uh, to overcome this is not always easy. But we as a company, we have clearly decided we go for efficiency. We go for energy efficiency. And that's why we push our rail system. And we are nevertheless quite successful with it because we stand for it. We explain it to the customer. We inform the customer if there is delays, but the customer relies on us that we catch up. That's why we have extra wagon sets to catch up lost round trips. And that convinces the customer. So I think we have to think rail new. There must be extra capacity. There must be extra uh, wagon sets, extra locomotives. If something goes wrong, we have to catch up with in the system. Everywhere something can, can go wrong. But again, here road is much more flexible because it's single driver-based, Uh, and the driver will always find a solution. And the road network is cleaned better, is maintained better. That's why here again, road has an advantage which can only be recovered with a higher flexibility by rail plus an understanding by the customer. Uh, okay, but, but I mean, we also have a lot of construction works on the road as well. Um, and therefore, is the road really more 
oder that more flexible is, is, is the rail in your opinion? Yeah, why the road is much better because the driver can search another route. The local driver cannot search another route. He's directed and he stopped even if there is a, just recently we had the case and I couldn't really understand. There was a, a, a flooding announcement for Friaul and suddenly all trains were stopped in Munich. And then this train lost the round trip. If such things happen by, by, on the road, the driver goes until the rain is too heavy. He stops when the rain is too heavy. He continues from there. So he doesn't lose any round trip or so much time. Rail is too inflexible. I cannot understand. If such situation is, and railroad might be closed, it must be the same like on the road. The train can go until it has to stop. And then probably there's... 10 trains in a line waiting until they can continue, but they can continue. And this moment will happen. But if I stop something in Munich, when there is an announcement that in Udine it will rain, I lose everything. This is pure stupidity. And what I can hardly understand is that we, you have a very beautiful example when you bypass the Brennero Highway in, in Tyrol. You are almost for 50 kilometer parallel on the highway to the railroad. If you see the traffic on the highway and you just compare it with the traffic on the railroad, I mean, there's no utilization of the capacity. There is every half an hour you might see a train, while every 20 seconds you take over a truck. So this is impossible to understand why we don't have a system that rail trains are going in 30 seconds difference. Capacity on rail for me, seen from, from, from an, a naive point of view, is there, but I don't know who is creating the bottlenecks. I cannot see the bottleneck on rail. There is so much space empty on the rail tracks, which are not used, probably missing dig digitalization, missing understanding what you could do, like I mentioned this example with stopping the trains in Munich, or another very nice example is if the terminal in Italy doesn't confirm that it will receive the train, it will not start from Hamburg. A truck driver starts from Stockholm. He doesn't know if the workshop will be open or the, 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 the warehouse will be open, but he will adapt on the way. But stopping a system which has a lot of cargo on it because we don't yet know if the terminal will be ready, that cannot work. Yes, from a customer point of view, I absolutely understand you. And, but I'm quite sure that the colleagues from the infrastructure manager would explain this situation and, and limitation from a completely uh, uh, um, other point of view. Um, we, we discussed the fact also with Matt and in the US, the utilization of, of the network is, is very low if you really start to measure how often a train is running on a specific track. Um, if I remember correctly, it was less than 5% and, and in Europe, uh, the, the average picture is probably quite similar. Exactly what you see as well when you're out there. yeah. And I always do this comparison. There's a beautiful comparison as well. There's a few roads in Europe where you really bypass rail. Uh, there is one beautiful one from Milano to, to, to Torino, one of the very important industrial regions of Europe. I'm driving there a lot because we have a customer in Torino. So I know this highway. I so far never saw a good transport train on this rail track. Never, never. You sometimes see a passenger train, never any good transport between Milano and Torino, one of the hot spots of the European industry, completely ununderstandable. And there is a terminal in Torino, there's a terminal in Milano, Venezia, Padua, 
and everywhere. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit ridiculous that we are talking bottlenecks on rail, but the rail system is used two to four percent. We have a lot of space to improve. So from that point of view, model shift can grow into the sky because there is space on rail. But we are not having the systems. We are not having the understanding how to utilize the network. All right, Franz. Then, then let's talk about you, about Vegatrans and the innovation which may have the, the potential to boost the, the model shift. And let's start with, uh, in a nutshell, with, with a short funding story. Yeah, that's a, a long story because it's already quite uh, more than three decades that we have developed our company. In fact, it comes from a student's job. When I was a student uh, of law in, in Vienna, uh, I used to finance my study by bringing new trucks to Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, and the Arab countries. And out of this, later on in the 90s, we founded the company Vega with the, with the intention uh, to become a major player in the distribution of new vehicles, especially of new trucks, new commercial vehicles. And already in the early phase, we understood that good capacity can only be reached by rail. And we, are, we had used at that time the the, the, the Hollande Landstrasse, the roller, uh, which was existing from Neumünster to Mainz and from Mainz to Wales. Uh, and that there was one line between Germany and, and in Italy as well. And uh, we realized that some customers had capacity problems on road and we convinced them when the first customer was uh, Volvo Austria. We brought trucks from uh, Sweden by rail to, to Wales and then distributed in Austria. And the second biggest customer then was Iveco. They had a new truck which was highly high, had a high cap and was hard to load on truck carriers. So they were open for a rail solution and we could offer them that you can load trucks up to four meter height crossing Switzerland. And so we started some, some rail business very early, already in the second year of our business career. And we saw that that can save costs as well as you have a good capacity. And from that moment on, we developed our company quite well. We became the major player, which we were dreaming of at the beginning. Today, we are the largest uh, company in Europe delivering trucks, buses, and, and, and trailers. And understanding that rail can play a major role, we thought that, that there should be some innovation because the roller wagons had got problems in Germany because of the infrared cameras and the heat they are creating with the small wheels. So we said we have to, make a, we have to find a solution to move into the standard bag wagons, pocket wagons, which are in the market, uh, where usually trailers are loaded. And together with our uh, construction partner, Casebohrer in, in Eugendorf, who is producing car transporters, we developed the road rail link system, uh, a kind of adapter system, we call it connector, which enables us to load any rubber-wheeled vehicle into standard wagons. And this started in the 2016. And since then, we try to convince our industry, which is by nature an enemy of rail because they are producing trucks for road. But still, because of capacity, today more as well because of environmental issues, they are ready to fill up our trains. Recently, we have 10 block trains a, a week in Europe running for the, for the truck and trailer industry, and we move quite significant volume on rail. We face problems there, but we solve the problems. And if you have this attitude, um, you can succeed everywhere. 
Okay, let's create a picture that our audience have a good understanding about what we are talking. Um, for me, it's very easy because I'm sitting in a meeting room and uh, with a big picture of this system on the wall. Uh, what you can see is a big base plate um, made of steel and on the left and, and right side you see a short metal frame. And I would say it's, it's about four to five meters long and carries a semi trailer. Uh, and at this platform, which you named Connector, can, can carry a semi-trailer and could be lifted uh, with a standard equipment. So either with a, a portal crane or a ridge sticker. So an easy way to, to have uh, for non craneable trailer, and, and we remember that's the majority of all trailers, um, has then an access point to the ecosystem of rail. And if more, uh, you, you can use the existing infrastructure of the terminal. Yeah, we understood that uh, you just need a simple platform. It's not rocket science, uh, but in a way it, it is, because to fulfill all the requirements of rail is not an easy task as well. But we, we are operating two systems, one with additional ramps, uh, so that we can drive trucks as well, like minivans or tractors on it, uh, and uh, one a simpler one, uh, which is just for trailers. But that system then doesn't make it necessary to have craneable trailers. And I believe that midterm, uh, talking about trailers, that the solution will be nobody has to take care of which kind of trailers you have. You just can offer to everybody, come to me and I can carry you on rail. That's the idea behind. And the interesting thing behind is that our company, delivering all the new trucks, buses and trailers of the industry, we have a so-called dense information because we get the newest vehicles always and our the department, our rail department, we have some skilled people, they watch what is coming new from the industry and then we adapt our system. So our daily experience has a direct influence in the production of our connectors. So we have the best knowledge to produce the most simple solution. We have seen in the marketplace by investigating that there are quite a few solutions already existing, Modal Loa, Cargo Beamer, Nikrasa, but they are not tailor-made for the customers. They are made probably, some things are very complicated like Modal Loa and, 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 and Cargo Beamer. We have the feeling that this is more a subsidy issue than a, a practical solution with very high costs. Our interest is have a simple, easy-going solution ready for the market, simplifying things, and become a general standard. Now, we see that this is coming slowly. We are now equipping the first pocket wagons for Spain uh, with our connector, because in Spain, the share of uh, craneable equipment is, I think, zero-something percent, uh, almost not existing. And This system should be used for Moroccan trailers arriving in Algeciras uh, and the transit in Spain up to Zaragoza should be done by rail. And in Morocco, I think grainability is uh, not known at all. Uh, uh, so we, we believe that our connector system, our headline is as well, time to connect. We need to connect road with rail. And our connector is exactly the tool for it. And The market is huge. We talk about 4 million trailers out there doing the continental traffic, everything what is produced on the continent and used on the continent. And out of this, according to our figures, 4 to 5% is craneable, so a very little number. Uh, so we have 
we are providing a tool which will enable the whole transport sector to close the gap. Yeah? But we are fighting with terminals. Terminals say that this is complicated. Now, if a terminal is only aiming 4% of the market share, then why we don't? We, we paid subsidies for the terminal. We have to make sure that every terminal out there, which is paid by the taxpayers, accepts any solution, which is bringing trailers on rail. And I can get mad when I, when I hear, just recently we heard something on another terminal, that it doesn't accept our connectors because it's too complicated and they don't have space. But it's not a question of space because our system doesn't need more space than a trailer needs. Our connectors are married with the wagons. They don't stay in any terminal. They leave with the wagon. And they have the big advantage that if I don't move trailers, I still can move containers above our connectors. So they don't disturb the system. Uh, okay, so, so, so every wagon is equipped or to stay with your words that the connect is married with the specific wagon. So, so the equipment will not be stored in the terminal. Yeah. But do we have then to rethink the, the business model of a trucking company and, and partly of the freight forwarders? Uh, today, a lot of transport companies are aiming to, to run long distances to, to achieve a high utilization of their assets. And just a few are focused uh, to run short distances, what, what we call the first and the last mile. I mean, if your innovation really shifts a quite significant volume from road to rail, Uh, then we probably need a new setup for the trucking companies. I mean, that is the perfect combination to use the road uh, for the first and last mile and then the energy-efficient um, um, rail for the long haul. But I can imagine that this approach is not embraced by, by all of the, especially trucking companies. Yes, in a way. But then we are coming back to what I said before. We have to start with the shipper. We have to raise the awareness of the shipper. Today, any Transport companies can tell to the shipper, I don't have the equipment for rail. You, can, you cannot push me. Yeah? But it's not true any longer. There is equipment out there, so the connector is there. We can arrange every trailer to be moved on rail. But the shipper has to know it, and the shipper has to have an interest. And then we come back to what you talked before about the ESG rules, the sustainability demand, The, the sustainability report, which is coming, which should show the decarbonization way of any company, it will be of interest. And today already, uh, we, we, we just received the first uh, electric trucks with a range of about 400 kilometers, which can be powered by solar energy. Today, with our system, you can do zero emission transport all over Europe already. We can go any place on the long distance with rail, We can do the last mile by electric truck. The technology is here. We just have to use it. This is the message we will give out to the shippers. And then the shipper has to decide for the future. Do I want to have CO2 neutral transport? Or do I still spoil environment with unnecessary CO2 production? And again, one liter of diesel, three kilo of CO2. Thousand kilometer by truck, one ton of CO2. This is there, and it happens every moment. And it's up to us to decide what is more important. Is it the environment, or is it the speed sometimes? But rail can be as speedy as road. It's just a question of frequency. Rail can run in the night. Rail can run on the weekend, where the drivers usually have to make rest, because rail is working like uh, 
earlier the horse carriages. You go, you change the horses, you continue. In this case, you go, the loco driver has to be changed, but you continue. The truck driver has to take his rest. So rail can be at least as quick if there is a good logistic system behind. And we can prove this. All our rails are running overnight, and for a distance of about 1,200 kilometers, we need 24 plus hours. You cannot be quicker with the truck, with all the regulations. But you have to believe in it, and you have to set up the system. And if you believe in it, and that's why we have to convince the shipper that he can believe in it, then it will happen as well. So we have to start where the power is, the power and the, 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 the power above the cargo, and that's together with the shippers. That sounds like a bright vision, and, and it sounds very easy. Convince the shippers uh, to do the right thing when it comes to use a, a more energy-efficient mode of transport, uh, the, the rail. And you mentioned that, that this is hard to believe that this fact are, um, um, is not well known by everyone. But this knowledge should be uh, spread uh, in, in big scale, and it should be the top priority of the governmental bodies. So, Franz, what would your biggest aim be if you were the commissioner of transport? Yeah, but one was already mentioned in the last question. It is the automatization of rail trains. They must run automatic without people involved. And this is possible, as we have seen already in, in the metro systems everywhere on the globe. And the second one is, uh, and this is a real topic which I can get furious, that Rail as the most energy efficient system and the most ecological system must be the market leader, must have 80% like it has in China, like it has in other areas where rail is less complicated because you have one country. But the European freight commissioner, he has to make sure that the most energy efficient system is by far market leader. Uh, that's a good step to go. Okay, we now talked about Europe, but, but is there a market outside the European Union where the connector could be applied? Yeah, we have global patents on it, uh, even for China. In fact, today, and we are discussing a project in Morocco, uh, from Marrakesh to Tanga, uh, to lift trailers with our system into pocket wagons. Uh, we recently had customers from Australia Uh, where a CO2 footprint is getting more and more important and they want to build up a, a rail connection between Perth and Sydney with our system. Uh, but they have different sizes, different trailers, but in, in fact, we can load their trailers as well. And with our system today, even it doesn't depend any longer on the rail track network. In fact, you could lift a trailer in Algeciras, which is coming from Morocco, With our system in a pocket wagon, you relift it in La Jonguera or Irun to the European track system, and you relift it in Belaruskaya on the Russian system, and you can go up to Vladivostok or even up to Shanghai. Uh, my newest favorite is we can lift trailers from Marrakesh to Shanghai. Yeah? And our system can make it happen. And it is independent on which trailer it is. So the trailer today in, on these lines, mainly the container with less volume is running. In fact, the trailer can be the new uh, transport media for the intercontinental traffic between Asia and Europe. And it has more volume, about uh, 25% more volume. So it could be of interest. And our system makes it possible. And if I might stream, the first trailer which comes from Shanghai will be a beautiful gift. 
that's a really good story and, and a great vision. Uh, for me, the connector is probably uh, that missing link uh, to turn the model shift and to get significant more, more, more cargo on the rail. And like the approach of Nevomo, um, the cool thing is you can use the existing infrastructure and not also the rail, but also the terminals. The market of transport cargo and semi-trail is really huge. Um, and I read it's, it's even up to 50% of the entire road transport. If you just get 20% of this trailer uh, trailer volume or with the connect on rail, we can reach the, the magic target of the 30% uh, model split by 2030 without heavy investment into the rolling stock. Um, but what is needed is more capacity, more flexibility on rail. And that will be a great challenge uh, to make the ecosystem of rail ready to grow uh, to this extent. That's really cool. And I just see that you would like to add something. Yeah, I would like, I would like to jump in in your final words yeah. because what is very interesting is that we today in our business, we are, we are, we are coming from road but we move to multimodality, even with vessels and with rail. But today we have achieved already almost 50% of our volume on rail, although we are working for a sector which builds units to drive on roads. So our showcase proves that it is possible. With all the problems, we, we always are very keen to talk negative things. But what we have shown is you can do it in a positive way, good for the ecology, good for the customers, good for the accounts of the customers, because none of our customers would give cargo to rail if it wouldn't be competitive. They are all very cost-driven. The only thing we ask from them is certain quantity. With the quantity we fill up the trains, we can run the trains successfully. Sometimes we are below break-even, sometimes we are above break-even, but we move volume and we don't lose money and our customers are happy. So if in an industry which is building units for road, we succeed with rail, then rail can succeed in all areas because built-up trucks are the most expensive units. People are talking about a Ferrari costs 200,000 euro. Today, an electric truck is up to 400,000 euro. Buses, we move up to 600,000 euro. So it's in, in a way, it's the jewels of the industry. These jewels can be delivered by rail very fast because time is money in this industry as well. We achieve this, then it should be easy to convince trailers to come as well. But we need, we have convinced our shippers in our specific sector the industry is the shipper. We convince them that rail is a good solution. And we show it. Now it is time that for general cargo, this showcase is just replicated. And everybody understands if there is enough volume, and there is enough volume out to have 3.8 million trailers, then there is efficiency on rail possible as well. And that's the story we would like to tell. And not only to tell, but even to roll out. And together with our partners, we will do this. Yeah. We will show that you can be successful with rail and you save a lot of CO2. All our train systems are saving, each, each departure is about 35 to 50 tons per trip saving of CO2. This is a huge achievement. The shippers have to know that this is already there and they can use it. Thank you very much, Franz. Uh, I cannot find better closing words uh, for, for this podcast. 
Uh, that's just a great and, and a proven story that we can achieve huge targets um, if we have the right attitude, the right innovation, and most important, the enthusiastic people who are driving the change. And that's RailUp. So, Franz, welcome to the RailUp Club. Thank you. What is the contribution to drive climate change? We do whatever we can do with a sustainable approach. All our analyses are driven by what is the most sustainable solution to move goods. The ball is in your court. What is the next step to drive change? We have to bring the ball into the goal. Uh, and we discussed already how many things we can do there. Which superhero do we need to avoid the climate disaster? We don't need any superhero. We just need to use our brain. What's the takeaway from this episode? My key takeaway is that shippers must be persuaded in the first place by showcasing the viability of CO2-neutral transport, which is already achievable through the seamless integration of road and rail. Vegatron's success story stands for a shining example where even the commercial transport industry was convinced to integrate rail into the supply chain. We have heard that reaching a critical mass and securing backloads is pivotal for a breakthrough in integrating rail for the main hole. Currently, over 90% of the semi-trailers are lacking of a lifting capability. Despite crane-ready trails being marginally heavier and costlier, the absence of a secondary market discourages significant investments from trucking companies and freight forwarders. Innovative solutions like the road railing could be a game-changer, enabling terminals to lift nearly all semi-trailers using standard equipment like portal cranes or reed stackers. The potential is enormous with approximately 4 million semi-trailers running on European roads. This huge volume could now access to the rail ecosystem. And every trailer counts as we have learned today that burning 1 liter of diesel produces 3 kilograms of CO2. Moreover, with the CO2 regulations driving the sustainability agenda, more companies are compelled to report emissions and pursue decarbonization efforts. Today we have once again heard about the exceptionally energy efficiency of rail and ambitious goal to establish rail as the future cornerstone of land transportation. For the model shift to take place, the rail ecosystem needs evolution, especially in higher capacity and greater flexibility. That's crucial to reach our big climate targets for transportation. Imagine that a shift or integration of just 20% of the road volume will double up volume of rail. These numbers gives us a better understanding how far the changes in the ecosystem must go. I have also been inspired by Franz's new bold vision to transport semi-trailers from Marrakesh to Shanghai in a CO2-neutral manner via rail. Reflecting on my first internship at Vegatrans two decades ago, Franz's visionary ideas sparked my journey into the rail ecosystem. It's these grand visions and unwavering commitment that lead to inspiration. And that's the essence of the RailUp Club. This podcast connects innovators and leaders worldwide to shape the future ecosystem of rail. RailUp by Sebastian Sperker.